my view and my experience of my father um, was kind of hard growing up. Um, my dad um, was a heroin addict and uh, an al- alcoholic, and uh, there was a lot of abuse in my home as a child. And so some people, you know, I talk to people about their memories and when, like, the earliest their memories started, and someone would say five or six. And what's weird is my, I can remember memories from when I was, like, two, um, but I can't actually remember a good memory of my childhood until I was, like, seven. Um, there's just a lot of painful memories of things that happened that were really bruised me at the core. And uh, mom separated from dad, and he left the house. And so one of my first experiences with my dad was when I was actually 18. I decided to pursue him um, after having found Christ. Years of anger and bitterness. And, and also, you know, that thing that we all do when we kind of just say, I don't hate him. I don't, I'm not angry. I just don't care. You know, and we kind of get to that point where we're calloused. But that's not real ever. Like when, the, the reality of not caring is, is, is just the, all the real emotions are buried. You know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and so we can have scars on top of those things. And, and I was at a season of my life where God was causing me to dig these things up. And so I, I, I reached out to my dad and I, I contacted him one time. And, and the next time that I got a phone call from someone um, in my family, it was telling me that my dad, I needed to fly back to Pennsylvania because um, my dad was in a coma. And so I got to go there and be with him. I'm going to give you the, the, the cliff notes today. And so uh, he was in a coma and um, the nurse told me, you know, he can hear um, when he's awake. And so I remember laying at his, sitting at his bedside every day. I'd go in and talk to him and tell him about what God had done in my life again and again and again and how I believe that God wanted us to have a relationship one day in heaven. And, and uh, I remember the tears rolling down his cheeks as I would tell him that I, 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 I loved him. And he had no control over his body or over his eyes or anything, but knowing, seeing him cry was just crazy because it was the only thing he could do laying in that chair. And so um, we led him in the sinner's prayer. And I remember when he died, you know, some people don't understand how real God is, but there is a peace. Man, when you, it was, it was the craziest, I, I don't know if I've ever experienced peace quite like the moment that my dad passed and I heard him flatline. Man. Anyways, years of, of him not being around and him not being faithful and him not calling or writing or sending a gift and him, uh, you know, just neglecting us, uh, it created a view of God. I didn't know that, but after I had left his hospital um, and he died, I had flew, um, it was, he, he died the Christmas weekend. And uh, the second of of January, I flew to Arizona to go to a Christian conference, and it was a teaching conference, and they had a lot of breakout rooms where there was be teachings and stuff like that. And so I'm walking around and I'm just kind of bebopping, and I figured I'd stumble into someone's class, and everyone's class was full, and so I kind of went over to this other class, and and uh, I'll never forget the name of the guy uh, that was teaching that class. His name was Mark Sims, and he was teaching on the Father Heart of God. Never heard of the topic. Thought it was kind of weird, and every other class was full, so we'll check it out. And so we went in, and Mark was, uh, began talking about how in our life, all of us view God through the lens to which we have found our fathers. And I thought to myself, well, that's not real. And there was about 120 people crammed into this room. Most people were standing and sitting across the sides, and he began to ask people to stand up and tell them about their father, and then he would just instantly almost kind of prophesy, except he wasn't trying to be spiritual. 
in his mind, he was being as practical as you can be. And he was defining to people who their father was based on the issues that they found in their relationship with their dad, including their strengths. I was baffled by it. And uh, as he began to hit the nail on the head for me about how I didn't think that I needed God in my life because I had survived for years without him. And, uh, but really, I was just talking about my dad. And so it's important today that we understand that the authority of a man in the house is crucial because it defines the authority and the mantle and the responsibility of the father. Now, when we talk about the father, I want to make sure that we understand doctrinally, we're talking about the triune God, the, 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 the Godhead, the, the blessed three in one, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit. For those of you like myself who grew up Catholic, I'll never stop doing that. I don't know. It was branded into me as a kid, you know? And, uh, and so anyways, I, I've, I've come to learn. I, it, it took me a long time to understand the, the Trinity. But when we talk about the Trinity, we're not talking about three persons. We're talking about three persons in one. God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit manifested in three different personalities. And so um, we'll, hopefully I'll get to that here in a minute. So um, the view of, of, of the Father is, is crazy. Um, in our household, if you are a dad, there is a ridiculous responsibility that is on you that no one may have told you about your kids will view and serve God based on the personality that you walk around with in that home. Statistically speaking, I have not found a statistic lower than this, but most of prisons are filled with 75% of people that come from broken homes. Think about that. More than, than, more than your average household today now comes from broken families because more than 50% of marriages end in divorce. And of those things, I'm not even talking about the, the, the men that are at home that are checked out, that are not living in the house, that are not socially or emotionally or, or checked in and clocked in. It can be a difficult thing to be anyone because sometimes you just want to clock out. Anyone else ever been there? I just need my space. I just need, but it's so difficult as a father. I, I learned it. I'm reminded every morning at 6.10 in the morning and my kids wake up and it's time to clock in because they're jumping on me in my bed as I want to cuss at them on my way to the bathroom, you know. Um, Got to bless the Lord today, man. It's a, it's a great day. Statistics would say that it's, um, uh, it's, it's uh, we're living in a culture and in, in a time and in an era right now where you can see that America is a mess. The church is a mess. And the identity that kids take on of their view of God is a mess. And I think it's mostly because of the institute in the home that's broken. Hmm. The point of today, uh, the first point is our view of the Father will make up our view of our Father will make up the view of, of God the Father. Now, how, prove this for me, Tim. Okay, I'm going to try my best here. As this guy, Mark Sims, would, would start this teaching, he would explain to me that um, every verse in the New Testament, as Jesus is walking, Jesus would only refer to God as Father. He, in one of the reasons why Jesus came, I believe, was to explain the personality and the identity of who God is. Now you have to keep in mind, throughout the Old Testament, he had many different names, God did. Can someone 
uh, help me out here through the crowd. Give me some names that you remember in the Old Testament of how we refer to God. Jehovah, Yahweh, Alpha, Abba. I am. I, I thought today of the Lion of the Judah, the, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily in the Valleys, the Bright in the Morning Star. Anyone else? The, the Judge, um, the Defender. Uh, many different personalities that the Father took on. But um, when Jesus came, I thought it was, it was awesome that one of the things he was trying to do was to reestablish a misunderstanding that many had as they referred to God. And I believe it's happening even amongst people that have relationship with the Holy Spirit, um, which should make that so much easier. So I thought of some, a few scriptures today, uh, and I, wanted, man, I get excited about this. The, the Baptist inside me really wants to come out. I, I'm not Baptist. But I, I, I'm one of my best friends is a Baptist. But, and, but I, I really want to just go uh, Carl Strader on you guys here today and just download 85 verses, but I can't. So here we go. Um, point number one is our view of the Father. And point number two today is Jesus' view of the Father. I love it. I love it. I love it. Remember one of the first, I mean, before I get into these verses, I think of the story where we see all three persons in the Trinity there. I believe it's uh, Ma- uh, Matthew chapter three, where Jesus was baptized in, in the Jordan River. And as soon as he comes up out of the water, the scripture says that the heavens opened up and God, the father spoke. And he said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Can you imagine what it must have been like to have been standing on the shores of the Jordan River and all of a sudden this booming voice comes out? It had to be booming, right? Like, what if God's voice was like, this is my beloved son, you know? Like, like no one sees it like that, you know? It was like, this. It's like, you know it was James Earl Jones that spoke, right? And it was like, <laughs> Mufasa. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that uh, uh, Lord Vader voice, you know? And, uh yeah, and so anyways, uh, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. And so that whole thing happened so that everyone would understand that God the Father was speaking, but God the Son, wanted, it, it, he wanted everyone to understand that this is him, this is good, who's walking around defining the image of the one in heaven that we haven't seen, that we haven't totally connected with, that maybe we've misunderstood. And Jesus is trying to realign some of our thoughts and patterns towards God the Father as he talks on earth. I would ask you guys to just think for a second. If you know scripture, be super uh, uh, teaching, doctrinal, whatever guys you are here, pull into your uh, uh, thought pattern hearing and, and think of how many verses can you think of where Jesus called God Father. I'm going to throw a whole bunch at you here, but I'm going to see how many you can come up with. I, I think I came up with 12 before I stopped, but there's like 80. Uh, so here we go. Here's the first one. One of the things I think Jesus wanted us to understand first that the Father actually does, because he may not have done this in your home, but he's actively teaching. Oh, man, check this out. Jesus said this way. He said, John 15, verses 1 and 2, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it would be even more fruitful. What, he's, what Jesus is saying, hey, look, you, you may not understand it because in your house, your dad may not be actively teaching, but God the Father is. And this is the illustration. God is not an actual gardener, okay? But what he's doing is, think about your life for a second, open it up like a big book. What God is doing in your life is he is actively rebuking the dead areas in your life. Hey, you got to stop being lazy and get off the couch. Hey, 
You got to stop eating double stuffed Oreo cookies. Hey, you got to start reading your Bible. Hey, you got to stop talking to people like that. Hey, you've got to. This is what he's saying. He says, every branch that bears no fruit, he cuts off. The purpose of why a gardener does this is so that way the tree blooms into life. If he allows dead branches, then life won't grow everywhere. But if he cuts off all the dead areas in our life, see, God the Father is always active in our life. He is always speaking. He's always present, and he's never giving up. And I love that. It doesn't matter where you are on your relationship with God today, whether you're a a new believer and you don't even believe with God, or or you've been at this thing for 120 years. Uh, What I want you to know is that God is currently in your life. He's active, and he's teaching, and he's showing you, and he's rebuking you, and he's coaching you and he's trying to bring out the best in you it's just whether or not you're going to respond to it but you've got a dad who's active in your life and some of us haven't had that in our father in our home and i think it's jesus is important because our view of the father may not have looked that way number i'm gonna have another one here check this out uh it says daddy's rich I made these up, so these are all mine. Check this one out. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. I like that. You got a big, big house. Lots and lots. Dustin, that was Dustin. That was your fault. You got it in my head. You know you're not allowed to do that. If you're new here, I have ADD, and I say things all the time that I don't put in my notes, and it's Dustin's fault today. Um, <laughs> Uh, but he's got a, a large house with many rooms. And, uh, and so when I think of that, in, in these, there's a place for you, Jesus said, that I've go to, to prepare a place for you. And so I love that there's always, I, I think about this verse and I think about as if he's talking to someone who maybe doesn't currently have a room in daddy's house, saying that there is room for you still in dad's house. Like he's still got room for you. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, the, the next one is my dad gives good gifts. Which of the fathers, if he asks his son for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? And if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more would your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? He's breaking down saying, listen, Dad knows how to give good things to people. He knows how to give good things to people. I'm reminded by this in my life. I'm reminded by God's timing. You know what I know as a father... I know that there are things that are good for my kids, but only in certain times. Like, Mia wants to learn to ride her bike. I watch her. I think it's not a good time for her to learn how to ride her bike. You know what I mean? And so, uh, but timing will, will come, and when it's time, it'll be good, and you'll do great, and it'll be perfect. And the Father knows how to give good gifts. He knows how to bless you. And that, some of us are praying for job promotions right now. And the reason why you may be in the financial situation that you're in right now is because if he gave you that blessing, it would ruin you. Just like, hey, anything wrong with having a cookie? You can't eat it before dinner. And there's things in our life that we want so badly. I want this relationship, or I want this, these kids, or I want this, and I want this job, or I want this promotion, or I want this title. And the, and the Father knows that it, He has the ability to give it to you. He gives good gifts. But he give, I think He waits oftentimes till our character can sustain the blessing. And I love that in him. And I trust that in him. I trust that he sees a bigger picture than I see. And as a father, I know that I see things that aren't good for my kids. And I think the father sees that for me also. Cool. Uh, He provides for them. And so I want to rewind back just to say daddy's rich. You know, I think there have been times in, in, in a lot of people's lives where their dad may have been poor. 
or not had enough. And we oftentimes then can worship God out of a lens that would say that God can't provide or I, I don't have the ability to ask. You know, it says that how many fathers know how to give good gifts to their kids? And some of our fathers maybe weren't able to do those things. And so we think, well, I don't deserve or I shouldn't. And that's, that's and I, I'm sorry for what circumstance you came in. But I think what Jesus is trying to do is say, um, listen, this is who Abba is. This is who Big Daddy is. This is what Big Daddy really looks like. And so it's so important that we learn how to approach God, not through what we've experienced, but who he is. I, um, I don't know why, but every time I think of an illustration to say this, I'm going to step back out of my sermon and tell you a different perspective of that same illustration. I don't know why I always want to use this guy's name, but uh, there's this guy, Patsy Polis, that I like a lot, and I always use him as a reference. I always use Patsy as a reference, and I don't know why, but I know Patsy, and some of you don't. But if you ever had a run-in with this guy, Patsy, he may have been on a bad day or having a bad moment or so on and so forth. It's like a a big movie star. And you have a run-in with him, and you'd say, man, that guy's so rude. He's just such a jerk, you know? But if I know him personally, I'd be like, no, he's, that's not. He, he was in a bad moment. He, that's not who he is. He was, but so many of us have had bad experiences in life, and now we pin that on God as that that's who he is. You've misunderstood because you're using experiences of life to define life for you rather than the word of God defining it for you. So this is truth. Jesus is trying to get us to open our minds again to the bigger picture of who God actually is. And when we approach God this way, like, God, oh, you know how to give good gifts? Now it opens your faith to receive, and your every, I mean, it's just a better scenario to wipe the slate clean. I didn't know that I didn't know who God was, even though I had been a Christian for three years, until I started realizing that I had to forgive my father of things that he had not done for me. And th- listen, please, <laughs> let me make sure. This isn't because my dad happened to use drugs and, and wasn't around. It doesn't mean that... Uh, you don't qualify because your dad was. I'm telling you, all of us come from issues. All of us have hurts and wounds. I do marital counseling, and I can tell you as I dig into stuff, all, dad and mom have a way of, of saying one thing when you were 12 years old, and it ruined your life. And they don't even know what happened. Dude stubbed his toe, and, and, and all of a sudden it broke you. And uh, it happens, and we have to learn how to forgive so we don't live life through that lens. This is good stuff here, I'll tell you right now. Okay, cool. He provides for them. So some people have not had a father that was good at providing or had great work ethic. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in their barns, yet your father, your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I'm talking about birds, man. Look, if God can provide for a bird, he'll, he'll make it work out for you, I promise. And we have to remind ourselves that we're valuable. Like, we, like he does care and he'll work this thing out. And so some of you may have grown up in homes where you weren't favored. Or you were, the, you were the third favorite or the 18th favorite, you know. And so he protects them. Do not be afraid, O little flock, for it pleased the Father to give you his kingdom. Oh, man, I love that. Don't be afraid, O little flock, for it pleased the Father to give you his kingdom. 
Jesus is saying this again and again and again and again and again because what happens is, is that we have a misaligned view of who God actually is. And it's happening from our broken places, all of them. I don't care who you are today, you've got broken areas in your soul. It's a good thing. Actually, God wants them there because a broken and contrite spirit, his heart does not despise. So he actually allows those broken areas in your life to draw you to him. But you can't view him through that lens. You have to view him in the lens of truth. Hmm. Merciful. He is so merciful. And many of us see him as this big judge. Check this out. But love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward will be great and your children will be of the most high. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. But be merciful just as your father is merciful. You know what's weird? In all of my, all of my years of Christianity, I've never heard anyone do this teaching. I've never heard anyone say Jesus only calls God father. And I think that that is absolutely crazy because as I hear people in the personality and I get on Facebook or the internet and I hear people that love God, I hear a lot of different personalities that don't sound like Jesus. I hear a lot of different tones and so they come out of broken places. And I think that we have to remind you, if you love the Lord, you need, the the next thing that Jesus is calling you to do is have a relationship with his word. If you're a follower of Jesus and you don't read the Bible, you are going to grow in a way that is going to create a mentality on your own. You're going to create your own doctrine based on feelings and your own understandings. That is not healthy. Jesus is trying to help us reestablish truth. Truth is not feeling. Another day. Uh, So point number one is our view of the Father. Point number two is Jesus' view of the Father. Point number three today is our broken view of the Father, of our our Father. It's hard because um, every time in Scripture Jesus referred to God, he referred to God as Father minus one situation. Some of you have heard this sermon before, so you know where I'm going. But the only time that Jesus didn't call God Father was when he was hanging on the cross. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, I'm going to come back to that point for just one second. I think that all of us have to get to a point in our life where we're willing to forgive our father for what he wasn't able to do. Because it is imperative that we walk in love and in, and in forgiveness. The world, mankind, needs us to walk in love and in forgiveness. And most of the roots and the hurts and the pains in our lives started from the people who are closest to you that you trusted the most. And oftentimes that's your dad. And though your dad may have never lifted his hand to you, he may have lifted his words to you. And he may have said that you weren't good enough or that you weren't capable enough, and it cuts you deep. 
He may have not worked hard enough to provide for you to get the education that you dreamt of or the dress you wanted to wear or the shoes that you needed so bad. And so there may have been things where your parents let you down, but I'm reading at the same time as Jesus is on the cross, he also said this. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus is hanging on the cross talking about the people that's crucifying him. And he's saying, Father, forgive them because they don't realize what they're doing. And so I have to help you to understand that there is a humanity involved that you were raised in where people didn't realize that pressure was on them every moment of every day. And there were moments where they let their guard down and their, and their integrity dropped and their character wasn't as strong as you wanted it to be. But I want you to know it's our job just to be like Christ, to be able to walk in forgiveness just like he did. problem with mankind is sin. It's that we're human. It's that we all fail. It's that we all sin. It's that we all fall short. And it's hard when we hold other people accountable but don't want to hold ourselves to it. And so what I'm thinking is that as Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, hey, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do, it helped me 16 years ago to forgive my father so that I can walk in a reality of then learning how to heal and forgive my dad so that today I'm not insecure as a pastor. I'm not intimidated by other ministries. I'm not intimidated by other people who go to our church that have greater leadership abilities than me. I'm not, I'm not insecure about finances. I'm not worried about people. I'm not worried about people liking, you know, like there's so many things that we have to be able to let go of in order to not pick up baggage that we take with us moving forward. I don't know where God's calling you, but I know that sometimes you're going to have to deal with your past. You've got a past. And I think many of you have to forgive your dad. Today is a day of honor. Let me, let me make sure you understand this. I know this could be a day of hurt, a day of pain. But if you were raised in a home where you had a good dad who provided, who worked, who loved, who made time for you, who, who, who presented himself available for you, who, who gave kind words and a soft touch, who also was authoritative and firm and held the, held the boundaries for you, that's important in a man. And if you did that, you got a good thing. And if you didn't have that, you got a good thing. Because what I learned a long time ago was that I may not have had it in my father, but I got one now. And that allowed me to have relationship with my dad, that I wanted, that I didn't know. Hmm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know if you realize, but sin can really mess up a lot of things. Here's Jesus, who is part of the triune God, and for the first time in his entire existence, there's confusion in him, and he feels alone and rejected and abandoned. It's sin, man. It'll mess up a lot of relationships. Now, it'll take a long time to theologically break down what's going on in that verse right there. I mean, like books and books and books and books are written about that verse. But I can just say, sin sucks. It hurts. Point number four. This is my last one. 
Point number one was our view of the Father. Point number two was um, Jesus' view of the Father. Point number three is a broken view of the Father. And point number four today is, um, is an open door to the Father. But I think it's so neat. Of everything that Jesus, he could have made up any word he wanted to to refer to God. He could have called him a fly. God is the greatest fly ever, you know, and made that something glorious. Like he flies around and it's all wonderful and he buzzes and he can't get him when you swat at him. I don't know. He could have called him whatever he wanted to, but he called him the father. And what I love about that reference is that's so intimate. It's so personable and it's so common to every one of us. The relationship of a father means you're part of family. And you're welcome to sit at the table and everything in his house is yours and anything you want is yours. I, I love that my son never has to ask me for anything in the refrigerator. It's all his. One of the greatest stories that Jesus would tell about, about God the Father would be the prodigal story, right, of the prodigal son. And I'm not going to use the, the scripture today because I've, I've got enough and I've got two more. But the story of the prodigal is designed to make sure that you know that regardless of what life you've lived or where you've been or what road you went down, God the Father is available for you. Now, there was a lot of life experiences and a lot of closed doors that would tell you quite the opposite in your theology. But the theology that Jesus wants you to know, that before I leave this earth, I want to make sure that you know that one of the most important things is that you can go and spend everything you have and throw it in the garbage, and you can still come home to Daddy. And He will be available for you, and He will throw His robe around your neck, and He will celebrate the fatted calf, and He will call all of His family together because He is radical about you, and He's available for you. And there was a lot of theology that would say, God's a judge, man, and he's mean, and he's mad, and if you, if you don't toe the line, you're out. Some of that may be true, but the father that Jesus wants us to see is the one standing out on the front porch waiting for me to come home. And I can tell you as a dad, that's accurate. And if there's any dad in this room that would say that, that ain't right, meet me at the flagpole after school, Jack, because you're, you're dumb. Number two, uh, no, second part of this verse here is John chapter 11, verse 41 and 42. And so Jesus took away the stone of Lazarus. I love this. And then he looked up and he said, Father, I thank you. You have always heard me. And I know, I knew that you always hear me. You hear that? Jesus is wanting us to see as he's starting an initiating prayer. Father, I thank you that you hear me. You know what? I thank you that you always hear me. I think there's another verse that says that the Father knows the very number of hairs on your head. What that means is that God is about you. He's, he knows your thoughts. He said that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is actually kind of creepy. He follows you around everywhere that you go. He is about you. Like, he is all about you. You know what I'm about to say before I say it. And Jesus is standing there teaching us how to pray, standing before this dead guy's tomb, and he goes, I thank you that you, you, you hear me. Many of our prayers don't start off like that, though. It starts off, God, if you can hear me. God, I hope you hear me. 
God, I hope you like me. Where does that come from? That doesn't come from theology that Jesus is teaching. Jesus is saying that God will always hear you. He will always, always hear you. Jesus will always, always hear you. And it's important that I get excited about this because if there's one thing that pisses a dad off, it's that anyone that would think that his dad, that his kids, his kids don't know how obsessed he is. Like, I'm always available for you. My door is always open. I'm always caring about you. I think God really cares about this, that you know that he loves you. And when you're scared and terrified, Jesus has said here in the gospels that he'll be there. And we don't know that God likes us. I'm sorry. I'm, I think I cussed a lot today or something. Here's the last one. I'm gonna, when Jesus taught about our father in heaven, he taught us how to prayer. First thing he said was, our Father, who art in heaven. Why? Because a father means we're family. And a father means we have time and we have relationship with each other. When, God's, when Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he's teaching you to call him Father, not based on what you've experienced in your life, but because he wants you to know there is no, as there is any parent, any parent you've ever met in your life. You may not know this if you're an only kid or you don't have kids yet. Let me let you in on. The reason why people always pull those Facebook pictures on you or break out their wallet and got a slideshow, because this is the only thing in their life they know they can always brag about. It's you and your goofy smile and your weird haircut and your odd personality. And they're, they're proud of you all the time, even when they're not. And what was weird was... Um, I found this out, and this was kind of cool. This is just me talking. This is not part of my sermon. Rachel, would you come? I found out from my dad's wife that she said to me when he was in a coma and I was sitting by his bed that he would always talk about us. I thought that was odd. Even if they're angry at you, they can't stop loving you. There's a verse in Isaiah that talks about how um, God's radical for you like a mom is for her kids and how he's inscribed you, your name on the palm of his hand. I love it. He's inscribed your name on the palm of his hand. Isaiah didn't know years later that Jesus would put a nail through it for you. Father's love that would give nothing for his kids, that would work tirelessly to provide for them. He's provided. He's provided love and peace. He's provided rest and shelter from the storm. Today, he's provided restoration. Today, he's providing hope. Today, he's providing an open door. Would you all close your head, your eyes? And... Yep. You knew where I was going. You've all been to church at least once in your life. You knew where the preacher was going, daggone it. I think something that a good father has is work ethic, generosity. He knows how to define authority, knowing that he creates the boundaries for us to walk in, and he disciplines when we get out of line. And a good father does it with balance. He does it with mercy and with grace. Even when mom's looking at us going, are you going to beat that kid? Dad says, not today. Not today. You're going to get a cookie instead. That's Jesus, man. That's our father. 
sometimes he just gives grace. I think today there's some grace, there's some opportunity for grace. I don't know if you've ever had revival, but it starts right here at the cross. If you're here today, and um, I think the first thing that we all need to do is maybe everyone in this room, if you would forgive your dad of one thing, just one. I'm not asking you to throw the whole book away, but if you would start with one, it makes it easier. And then two, if you would bless your dad. In that, what did he do great? My dad had great work ethic. Maybe some of you, your dad just gave you life. What a blessing. Now, too, if you're here and you may have missed the ball as a father, you didn't get the memo and you didn't realize how much was on you, but Jesus is kind of saying, hey, look, it's important that we look like the father. I charge you today in the name of Jesus to be a man. Be responsible. Be proud of what God's given you. And lastly, if you're here and you're not right with God, or you've had a bad view of Him for a long time, you know what? I'm gonna stop right there. If you if you're here today and you don't have a bad view of the Father, or you ain't been right with Him, or you think He's angry at you, and you want to get right with Him today, if you're here, you say I've done some wrong. I want to make it right. I want to come home. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise your hand right now? God bless you. Wow, I'm so thankful. That's rad. I think there's two more. I'm not right. God bless you. One more. Jesus, I ask you to teach me your ways, to teach me who you are, to teach me that you love me, to give me your grace, to give me the blood of Jesus to cover me, to wash me, and make me whole. Can you guys just listen to her sing this over you?
from everyone. It's gonna be, hopefully it's going to be pretty neat. But check this out. As a dad, it's really weird how... I'm, I'm talking about everyone today, not fathers. Okay? But as a dad, it's funny. And you get the illustration with a baby easier. But if this little kid, and when this little kid throws up on dad, he loves him. And and when this little kid has a blowout and blows his whole diaper out, somehow it's the worst thing in the world if any human being does it, but it's so cool when this kid does it, you know? It's like somehow poo is great. And so what I'm saying is some of you feel like poo. And you feel rejected or not good enough. That's not the way relationship works. Dads are here to clean you up and fix you up. Your job is to make a mess. And that's just the way it goes. I just want to end with this today. Would you repeat after me? I believe that you're actively teaching me. You got to say this and believe it because this is going to be a confession. I believe that you're actively teaching me. actively coaching me I believe that you're rich and that you want to provide for me I believe that you give good gifts timely gifts I believe you provide for us I believe you protect us I believe you're merciful and I believe you love me If you're a dad today, I want to bless you. I want to thank you for coming here. You could be anywhere. You could be out fishing. You could be watching a movie, but you're here. And I want to thank you for being a man of God today. I bless you, and I pray that you have ears to hear and eyes to see of how important you are in the life of those who you father. Lord, you're wonderful. In Jesus' name, thanks for coming. Who you are.